0: It does give us an opportunity to reflect on Tom Brady and Tom Brady's career, and there's no better person to do that than the great Charlie Weiss. Charlie joins us right now on the Harbor One Hotline. Charlie, how are you today? I'm Rob Bradford. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Rob. How are you? I'm um, great. I'm great. You know, Charlie, it's been fun sort of reflecting, having people call in and sort of going back to what made Tom Brady and what didn't make Tom Brady. And, and we talked about sort of those early years. And obviously, you know, you were his offensive coordinator up until through 2004. And I'm just curious, like there could have been forks in the road here to make Tom Brady go down a path that we've seen so many other probably good quarterbacks go down. What do you remember in terms of those early years when you said, okay, you know what, we're sticking by this guy. We see something in him. We're going to keep four quarterbacks on the roster. Because do you disagree with me? I mean, you, you, you've probably seen it as well, that talented guys sort of basically get caught up in bad decisions, and you guys made a really, really good decision with him.
1: Well, it, there's a couple, couple things. Now, let me preface this, this comment by talking about Tommy retiring there's no way tommy would have put this information out today because it would be a distraction to the games tomorrow that's not his way so even though this is probably true you we all know that he wouldn't done it this way cuz he he's not looking for attention he you know he would have he would have waited until monday or tuesday till the games were over you know on the dead week and and go on ahead and said then so there's probably some people that are pretty annoyed right now that, <laughs> you know, that this came out public. I'm talking about it because, because it's public. But I mean, there's there's not a chance in hell that Tommy would have come out and done it himself today. There's not a chance.
0: Yeah, that's okay. I, no. I totally, I, I totally hundred. By the way, Charlie, I 100 percent agree with you. And how could he not be going off his track record? Going off of how he does things, I. I don't see how it could be any other way. And we're kind of seeing that with the news trickling out now. But but like I said, it allows us to sort of reflect anyway. And as you also okay. said, it's probably going down this road.
1: Okay. So let's then talk to, about – because I know you got a lot of stuff going on. So I'll just talk about two quick things. So as you mentioned, the first year – so we draft them, the infamous 199. Everyone knows about it. Remember, we passed on them five times too. You know, so – we're not as smart as everyone thinks, uh, thinks we are because we, ke- we kept letting him go, you know, And but, you know, we were fortunate that we ended up getting him, and he, we kept him on the 53 just because even though he's a little underdeveloped and stuff like that, we just – there was something about the guy. And what I what I really liked about him is he wasn't getting very many reps in practice. We kept him around, and at the end of practice, he would take guys like him that weren't getting any reps – not with, with no coaches there, and kind of go through the whole practice, and you sat there and watch this. It wasn't like they were being told to do it, you know. You know, and a lot of times people want to get off the practice field because practice is never, never, you know, never easy. But you know, sure enough, you know he'd, he'd be there doing it. And you'd look at him and say, you know, you kind of like what you kind of like what you're watching right here. And then the next training camp. Him and Damon Ewart was really close for the second second string quarterback behind Drew. So anyway, Drew gets hurt, Tommy goes in. Obviously we didn't know the severity at the time of, of Drew's injuries, which was much more severe than, than we thought when it happened at that moment. But Tommy's playing, we're going we're going for a little while. And now all of a sudden we're playing San Diego. It's about halfway through the year. We're down two scores in the fourth quarter at home. We come back and we score twice to tie it up. They get the ball in overtime, defense stops, and we get the ball back. This is the play. I'm giving you the play right now. (laughs) First play, the offense had the ball in overtime. Okay, San Diego had an exotic blitz that a check with me could not handle. We couldn't check from a run to a run or a run to a normal pass, Okay, we would have gotten blown up and had a big negative play. But after 60 or 70 regular uh, plays and regulation of not seeing the blitz one time, that we practiced a couple of times the whole week, the first play of overtime they run the blitz. Sure enough, he sees it. Steps back. audibles, Audibles to a long pass to David Patton up the right sideline. Throws it. They have to tackle Patton because he's probably running wide open for a touchdown. Pass interference. Then Terry strolls out on the field, kicks a field goal. Good guys win. (laughs) And that was like one of the the, one of the wins that really got us rolling into the into the Super Bowl Super Bowl 36 winning mode.
0: Charlie went home that night. Yep. Went go home ahead, that John.
1: night and said to my went home that night and I said to my wife, I don't know how many veteran quarterbacks would have seen that. I go, we might have something special here, and the rest is history.
0: Uh, Charlie Weiss joins us on the Harbor One Hotline, and that obviously, as you said, led you to the Super Bowl. And I want to take you back to that final drive because I mean, we talk about moments that sort of define and propelled. Brady, you just named one, right? I mean, one that we didn't know about and one that it's a great, great example. You go to the final drive and you have the John Madden saying, you know, I would, I would take a knee here. And, but for you guys, having gone through instances like you said and getting to that final drive, how confident were you at that, what you remember of that moment that you were going to be able to go boom, boom, boom to the point where you did to kick the field goal?
1: Well, look, Bill and I, we had a 15-second conversation. That was it. 15 seconds. And if we weren't exactly on the same page, we wouldn't have gone for it. But we both felt exactly the same thing. And then Drew, the instigator, of course, is sitting there, just just sling it, you know, like, uh, <laughs> just go out there and be a gunslinger. But really, if either one of us wanted it to be no, it would have been no. But we were totally on the same page. What does that tell you about Tommy Brady? it's telling you that we had the confidence that we could give this guy, uh, give, give the guy the reins and at least start a drive to see what, whether or not we could get something going, okay, because there was a possibility that we could get into field goal range and have enough confidence. You remember on the first play, he was actually touched by little, you know, he was grabbed on the back of his jersey. Mm-hmm. The last comment I had said to him going out there, and don't forget your check down, You know, uh, and because, you know, he actually got grabbed on the first play and threw a check down to J.R. Redman on the first play. But we entrusted him enough where in that situation, we were going to go ahead and give it a shot to go get in the field goal range. And I'm sure glad that we did.
0: (laughs) You you aren't alone, my friend. You aren't alone. But, Charlie, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, how he helped – other guys and how early, early on in his career, he showed sort of this leadership quality. And we were talking about this earlier, how his career progressed. And I remember he had his press conferences in front of his locker. That seems like a small thing, but there was no podium. It's like, I'm one of the guys I'm doing it in front of my locker. And as he gets goes along, as he wins games, as he wins championships, it sure seemed like he was still perceived as it, just one of the guys, but also – because of that, so highly respected in that locker room to to a level that probably not a lot of guys were. I mean, it's one thing to be good, but it's another thing to be good and accepted, right? I mean, you probably saw that early on.
1: Well, the one thing Tommy did was Tommy didn't just hang out with just, you know, just with Gronk and Edelman, those guys. He He worked the locker room one day he'd be sitting with the DBs. One day he'd be sitting with the linebackers. One day he'd be sitting with the defensive linemen. One day he'd be sitting with the offensive linemen. One day he'd be sitting with the wide receivers. One day he'd be sitting with the running backs. One day he'd be sitting with the tight ends. One day he'd be sitting with the specialists. He worked the locker room. okay, Because he didn't see himself as just a leader of the offense. He, felt him, he, felt, he saw himself as the leader of the team. But what I really appreciate about Tommy, especially as he got more and more respect from, from his teammates, he treated everyone like that that they were special. It didn't make a difference how low you were on the depth chart or if you were an equipment manager or an assistant trainer. He treated he treated everyone like they were special, and they treated him that way in return.
0: Charlie Weiss joins us on the Harbor One Hotline, and obviously, you, no one could have predicted what happened in terms of his career, how long he would go, how many Super Bowls he would win, any of it. But the Super Bowls aside, Charlie, I'm just anxious to to get your feeling on what if how you felt his career was going to unfold, because you know we look at like a guy like Ben Rosselsberger and great quarterback, but you know it was sort of breaking down at the end. When you, when you were with Tom, and I know it was early on, but when you were with Tom, could you see it as this guy who was going to figure out and evolve at least close to what he ended up doing?
1: Well, by the time, by the, time the first Super Bowl was over, you, it was almost like you were just expecting it. And, and the best part was it didn't make a difference that I was expecting it because he was expecting it more than I was. I mean, so it's great to know that somebody is that driven. You know, look it. The kid came in with a chip on his shoulder. We all know about that 199th pick. He had a chip on his shoulder from day one. And to be honest with you, he had a chip on his shoulders before that because when he was at Michigan his senior year, Drew Henson was split. He was splitting time with Drew Henson, and Drew Henson couldn't hold his jock, mm. but he was splitting time. You know, but yet, you know, so he always had a chip on his shoulder. And you know what? The best part about it, he leaves with the same chip on his shoulder. <laughs> nothing's ever changed. <laughs> I mean, nothing's ever changed. So, I mean, that that's what makes him such a special human being.
0: So what was your take? Uh, well, there's been a lot of conversations leading up to today. And as we said, we don't have an official word on him. But, you know, but, you know, to say that he does retire. What was your take on what he was going to do after watching him go through the season, go through the playoffs, how he ended the the playoff run with the Bucs? what was what was your gut feeling with him
1: I think that he's really really concerned, and i'm saying I think when i'm saying this he didn't want to be on one of those victory tours he didn't want to come back and have everyone know that you know that he's going to be retiring you know, and, and and treat it like, you know, you know, the fan, like he didn't want to be Derek Jeter, you know, waving at Fenway Park after, after he gets his last hit and going into the dugout. He didn't want that. You know, he's the type of person that when I'm done, I'm done. I, one thing I always knew about him, he never would have left. He never would have waited till his skills were gone before he walked away. So if in fact, this is when he walks away. I mean, arguably, he's he had one of the best two years in the NFL. Would you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, he's in the he's in the discussion for the MVP of the league at a hundred years old, <laughs> at a hundred. You know, so he if, if 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 in fact this is it and he's walking away if it, and he's walking away right now. Okay, he's wa- he's walking away when it's, when he's still at the top of his game.
0: Well, Charlie, it's really an honor and a privilege to have you on because, you know, you were part of the foundation of of Brady's career and have great insight in terms of how this all started, how it unfolded, and and really, like you said, like we're going to see how this unfolds today and and in the next few days in terms of the official retirement. But if nothing else, it allows us to talk to you to to sort of reflect on these stories and reflect on this career because – I mean, there is a. you just told a couple. I mean, there was a lot of things to pick through here that we might not have even known, and that's hard to do when you talk about a guy as much as you talk about Tom Brady. So we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I love him as a player, but more importantly, I absolutely love him as
0: a person. Well, Charlie, thanks so much. Stay safe. Hope everything's well, and, and I look forward to talking with you down the line.
1: All right, take care.
0: All right, the great Charlie Weiss, offensive coordinator of Tom Brady, obviously, through 2004.